Welcome to the intersection of theater and even more theater. You have achieved stage grok. Stage Grok, the roaming theater podcast coming to you from the geographic center of the American theater. I'm your host, Scott Miller. Today I talk with actor Tom Sesma about taking over the lead in Sweeney Todd off-Broadway. I spoke with Tom from his apartment in New York. Okay, well, first, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, I've seen you uh, here in St. Louis at the Rep a number of times um, and was so thrilled when I read that you were stepping into, into this Sweeney Todd. So first, talk a little about this production. It seems really different from what we're used to. It's really, really remarkable. It's very, very special. I saw the show last July, um, and um, when I wasn't involved with it at all. And, um, you know, I, I think like most people who are in the theater, or, or at least some of the theater, uh, we know Sweeney Todd like the back of our hand, right? Yeah. And um, I sat up there watching the show, and it was so different. It was so intimate. It was so um, uh, audacious in its approach to storytelling that I felt like throughout that I didn't know what was going to happen next. Oh, that's awesome! It really took me on a it really took me on an emotional journey which I was unprepared for, and uh, I, I found it very, very uh, moving in two respects. I found, you know, of course, I found the story moving, uh, but probably more so than ever before uh, because of the proximity of the piece to the, right. to me, to, to the audience. Um, and um, I found it very moving in terms of its craftsmanship, that uh, theater artists would take something that was so familiar, and as I, I use the word audacious, and do something that audacious with it, that daring, that bold, and and for all intents and purposes, that simple. Um, it, it's really, really remarkable. It's really remarkable. Talk, talk a little bit about the the physical environment. Well, you're in a pie shop. You know, they have taken this terrific off Broadway theater, the Barrow Street Theater. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to see anything there. Um, I think it was about. 300 seats. I, I've seen several plays there. Um, and, uh, you know, it's your regular old, you know, uh, used to be a, uh, used to be a public space auditorium, um, in, in what is called Greenwich house, which is a, uh, community center, uh, in the village on Barrow street at seventh Avenue South. Um, and, uh, there's a little mezzanine, um, there's a main floor, there's a proscenium, a stage. Um, it's, I, I think I said 300 seats, maybe yeah. 300 plus seats. Uh, and they have basically ripped that entire thing out, and they have created <laughs> a pie shop, which is a copy of Harrington's Pie and Mash in Tooting, which is uh, a district <laughs> in London, 
which is Tooting is sort of like even now it's sort of like the East Village was in the eighties. It isn't a place that you would walk alone unless you were a resident <laughs> there. Uh even in the middle of the day. And um apparently uh the story is uh Bill Buckers uh and Rachel whose name I can't remember who's the other director of uh the Tooting Arts Club, uh which is their theater company. Uh, were walking past him one day, and they were jokingly said, uh, wouldn't it be funny to do Sweeney Todd in a pie shop? <laughs> and a light bulb went off, and they said, yes, it would be funny. It would also be possible. So, um, and, and I would think not just funny, but extra terrifying. <laughs> extra terrifying, because that's exactly what Bill wanted to do. Bill, Bill has an extraordinary vision of what the theater is. In, in a very, very basic sense, a very, very fundamental sense, and that is that it can happen anywhere. You don't have to have light towers. You don't have to have sound. You don't have to have a stage. Um, and um, it, it's a, it's a, it was a very – he didn't design it as an immersive production. Um, it came immersive by virtue of the fact that it was site-specific. Right. Um, he decided to do Sweeney Todd in a pie shop that sat 30 people. <laughs> so he and his collaborators came up with um, I don't even want to say it was concept heavy because it was very concept simple yeah. Sweeney Todd in a pie shop right? Uh, with a cast of eight playing all wow. of the roles wow. do some very very uh, very very precise and well thought out editing um, and um and to simply do it with a, you know, reduce the orchestrations to uh, uh, an arrangement for three pieces, piano, clarinet, and violin. And, nice. um And do it as uh, as something that would engage the audience on a very, very personal and intimate level. And I think that that's, that's the thing that makes this so very different, is that um, it's an intimate show, in a way that you just don't expect. Um, it, uh, it, it, it lets you... I, I, I think that um, by virtue of the physical production, it lets you into the experience of these characters in a very, very present way. That which I, which I would think would be kind of wonderfully unsettling. It's really, really unsettling. It's scary. <laughs> you know, and, and there, there, there are moments when it has sort of that um, haunted house experience. You know, uh, yeah. you know these little pop-up haunted houses that open up everywhere every year. Uh, it, there are moments when it has that quality to it, but then there are other moments uh, where it transcends that experience because you're engaged with characters throughout, with each right. character narrative. And not right. just Sweeney's story, but Mrs. Lovett's story, Anthony's story, Joanna's story, Tobias' yeah. story, even the judge's story. Um, it, it, it's, it's really, really interesting. Um, and, uh, and as I said, it, it's audacious in its simplicity. Yeah. Uh, it's, and it's, it's exciting. It's really, really exciting to do. Well, so I saw you do Sweeney here at the Ref in St. Louis. Oh, my God, 1997, 98? Was it that long ago? 97, (laughs) my God, yeah, 21 years ago. Is it hard to come back to a show that you did relatively straightforward conventionally um, and now come at it from a really, really, really different point of view, or does it feel like you're doing a different show? Oh, it's very, very different. 
Um, I mean, it would feel different anyway because that was 20 yeah. years ago, right? Uh, and uh, and I was I was such a different person back then. You know, I was young, younger. <laughs> I wouldn't say young. I was younger. I was I was kind of wild. I was full of myself. I, I you know I, I I probably don't have the right perspective on it because I because objective, but I I have a feeling there was a lot of acting going on in my performance. <laughs> I, I don't remember that, <laughs> but but it's probably it's probably stuff that I wouldn't be able to get away with now, and it, it's it's a quality of performance that I probably don't have in me anymore. Um, it's simply because twenty years have gone by and I'm a very very different person. Uh, and the other side of it is that uh, it would be impossible to do it in that same way, um, simply because of the physical production. Uh, right. Because because we're now engaged with an entirely different character, uh, and that is the character of the audience. You know, uh, I, no. I know that I know that we always, uh, all of us in theater. I know that you probably do too when you're directing shows. Uh, you always talk about the audience as the missing character, and a lot of times that's just um, a lot of times that's just a verbal reminder to right. actors to keep it to keep it present, to keep it uh, to keep it green. Uh, but in this particular case, it's very, very true because we are engaged with the audience yeah. throughout, from beginning <laughs> to end. We're making eye contact. We're act- asking for specific responses. We're telling them to move. We are, uh, you know, at times we're holding a razor to someone's throat, uh, <laughs> randomly to somebody's throat. Uh, uh, if the audience, if the members of the audience uh, desire, they can have a meat pie and or a veggie pie uh and mash uh before the show um nice. it's, and by the way the, the the food at the Barrow Street Theater is incredible they're prepared by uh, a chef named Bill Yosis who has the company called the Perfect Pie here in New York uh Bill used to be the pastry chef for the Obamas and uh, oh wow his cookbook that just came out was nominated for uh for this year's uh, James Beard Cookbook Award um, he is on site every other night, maybe, uh, serving up pies, uh, and oh, uh, it's it's really really wonderful uh, because it gets the audience into a celebratory, participatory uh, yeah. feeling. But but that's what I'm saying about them. You know, it, it, it's it's site specific, and the audience is a part of that site, right? Um, for us and for them. One of the great things about it is that. Uh, they're constantly engaged with each other as well. So yeah. somebody in row F might be watching someone's reaction in row C. Right. <laughs> because they're as much a part of the play as uh, as we are. Yeah. And then the people, the person who's watching from row F doesn't realize that he's being watched or she's being watched as well. Right. It's, it's magical. And... Uh, one of the great things, I think one of the things that keeps it fresh for us is that it, that we witness that magic on a daily basis. It's it's yeah. fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, the other part of doing it 20 years later is, my God, I am old. I never, you know, my, my current joke is, I have to tell you, Scott, my current joke is it was never part of my plan to uh, to be at this age and have a job where I had to work this hard. <laughs> It's it's Sweeney Todd for Christ's sake. It's, it's hard. <laughs> well, let me ask you this because I think this is really interesting. 
and I'm not really in touch with, with this stuff in New York. How do you get this part? Did they give you a call? Did you have to audition for them? What do you have? Uh, yeah, uh, out of the blue, I got a I got a call to audition for this, and uh, my agent did, I should say, and uh, I was asked to go in. And uh, um, this was last July, and uh, and I went in expecting absolutely nothing back. I thought that I, I, I thought that uh, I was older than the, than the people who had opened the show. Right. Um, uh, I'm not saying I'm ancient or anything like that, but uh, <laughs> but I was I had begun to play older characters than yeah. than the people who were doing the show at the time, and um, and uh, I I told myself several years ago that uh, I think it was after the Johnny Depp film came out that there was a new trend in doing Sweeney as a even though he has a grown daughter in the show, um, in the narrative, young but grown, um, that there was a trend towards having younger actors play him. Uh, and uh, I thought my time had passed. But, I, but in many respects, I thought my time had passed anyway. I had done a production of Sweeney Todd in St. Louis and then in Cincinnati, which uh, was really artistically a very, very high point in my career. Um, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was. An, I, I thought that production that Ed Stern and Steve Wolf put together was an extraordinary production. Yeah. Um, Steve uh, mentioned to me that it uh, it raised uh, it, it set a new standard for work at Rep, which made me very very proud, very very humble nice. at the same time. Nice. Um, and um, and it was one of those things that I told myself privately that. You know, on my desk that I could go back and point to that production and say, you know, I don't know what else I did in my life or in my career, but I did Sweeney Todd in St. Louis and Cincinnati. Uh, and uh, and and it, it was a singular thing. So so it was okay never to do it again. Right. In 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 my tiny little brain. And. Um, and then this came up, and I saw the show, and I thought to myself, I couldn't possibly do this. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, it, it was so different. It was so vibrant. It was so, um, again, that word, audacious, that uh, that I couldn't imagine myself. At, at my age now, going back and 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 doing this again, uh, and then I started preparing for the audition, and uh, it was material I hadn't looked at in many many years, and it, as you know, it's so beautifully written. It's yeah. such honest material. It's so visceral. It's so primal, and yet. It's so um, it's so sophisticated at the same time, yeah, uh, and so inspiring and thought provoking uh, that preparing for that audition now, twenty years after the fact, made me dig deeper in a way that I didn't know how to dig before. I didn't know how to do that kind of mining before, right? And uh, oh, it made me desperately want to do it. And uh, as it was, uh, I, I didn't get an offer at that time. And so when 
they were uh, bringing in a new cast in February because they brought five of us in, um, they called me up. They asked me back. And uh, and lo and behold, here I am working uh, uh, with this incredible company, uh, working with the most amazing and generous creative team that I can recall working with in quite a while. Um, it, it's really, really been extraordinary. And, and I have to say, uh, they... Um, the creative team and the producers uh, were so lovely in terms of how they treated us, not as replacement actors, but as as they kept saying, you're not a replacement cast. You are the new cast. Yeah, I love we're that. Doing, we're doing a new Sweeney Todd on this cast. So what they did is they worked us into the template of the show that's there. We're basically doing all the same blocking. We're hitting all the same beats. We're we're doing the same show, but it's it resonates in a completely different way because of the individual thing we do. I would right. say that the show is very very different in terms of mood, uh, in terms of the emotional journey that the audience comes on than the show was prior to its beginning. And it doesn't make it better or worse. It just makes it very, very different. Right. Uh, and that's and it should, people, right? Yeah. Different artists yeah. working now. And a lot of people have come back to see it with this cast, and they have said, it's everybody's good and very, very different. And yet it's exactly the same show. Yeah. Um, it's exciting. It's exciting. I, I remember when you did Sweeney here, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the following season you also did Night Music. Is that right? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Which was really cool. And I think I remember you directing a show at the Rep, didn't you? Yes, I directed Lifetime 3. Oh, right, right, right. Such a cool play. Have you you directed? Have you continued to direct? Yeah, here and there. uh, Bits and pieces. But um, I I started to, uh, um, as I I became, I guess, a more mature actor, um, I, I, uh, I fell back into a kind of demand that I didn't expect. And uh, and so I've been working more as an actor, and the opportunities that I've had to direct, I've often had to um, I've often had to give up uh, because they conflicted with uh, with performances that I wanted to that I wanted so to. So as an as an actor, were, were did you get it? Because I've seen this happen to women actors a lot. Did you get in a hole where you were too old for the the young leading man but not yet old enough to play his father <laughs> yeah I did I did and it also was it, it was complicated also by the fact that I, I'm an actor of color right. uh, you know uh, Asian American half Japanese half European descent um, and uh, a lot of people didn't know what to do with that um, do you think that's changing now it feels like it is it's really changing for me I think it's changing lots of Lots of people, I think that there are directors out there who want to create a a landscape on stage that resembles the cultural landscape in America, uh, in the United States. Um, I just did a play off-Broadway at Cherry Lane, just a couple blocks from from Sweeney Todd, um, where uh, it it was called Discord. Very, very interesting play about... uh, about Thomas Jefferson, Charles Dickens, and Leo Tolstoy trapped in the afterlife. 
I don't know if you're aware of it, but, but uh, I think you might be aware of it because of the, uh, because of some of uh, some the, some of the uh, critical writing you've done on spir- uh, spirituality uh, that Dickens, Jefferson, and Tolstoy all wrote their own versions of the gospel. Oh and, yeah, uh, yeah, and so it's them. Uh, it, it's not a play so much about religion as the contradictions in their life, the fact that Jefferson. Uh, was, uh, you know, believed so much in the rights of man, the essential rights of man, yet was a slaveholder. And, right. uh, and, uh, probably very much so a, a historical target of the Me Too movement. Um, uh, Dickens, uh, for all of his humanity was, uh, could have been a, a, a an evil character, a, vil- a villainous character that he made up. He was he was a horrid horrid person, and uh, and we all know of Tolstoy's proclivities. You know that he was a bit of a sex addict, and he never gave up his uh, his uh, title or his wealth, in spite of the fact that he dressed like a peasant and uh, was instrumental in in uh, in having the serfs freed. He never freed his own. Um, it was it was. Uh, it was so. It was, a, it was a fantasy about them being in a sort of no exit afterlife, right. uh, reconciling themselves, their own contradictions. And so there you had a this wonderful director, Kimberly Senior, who wanted uh, these three characters played by American actors, with, with an African American playing Dickens, there was a, a, a tall white man playing uh, Jefferson, and there was a Japanese American playing Tolstoy. Uh, so it, it has worked. I, I've fallen into something where I'm doing it. And then I just did a production of A Christmas Carol at the McCarter, uh, where I've never been cast traditionally in an ethnic role, uh, interestingly enough. So, yeah, is it changing? Is it changing fast enough? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what fast enough means. Um, I know that I have a responsibility to uh, be very public uh, in my celebration of the fact that I am one of the, uh, I guess, one of the role models for diversity in casting, at least on stage. Yes, yes. Uh, and that, uh, and I hope people are paying attention to that. Well, I, you know, here in St. Louis, the theater community is talking about this stuff a lot, way more than ever before. And well, I think the, that's certainly a good sign. You know, the fact that in 1997 that I played Queenie Todd in St. Right. Louis, and Frederick Eggerman. Yeah. <laughs> right, and Frederick Eggerman. And uh and then a couple of years later, remember I also did dinner with friends there. Uh oh, right, right, right. Uh downstairs. Uh you know, uh and if I recall correctly, um Sweeney Todd and Little Night Music were both um uh, filled with uh uh actors of diverse backgrounds. Yeah. Um yeah. so um you know, it's nice to have it's nice to have visionary directors. It's nice to have it's nice to have uh, uh, you know one of the legacies of Steve's uh, tenure, very very long and deserved tenure at the Rep, was that um, he saw actors as actors. Yeah. You know, he didn't see them as anything else. They weren't black. They weren't white. They weren't Asian. They were they they were actors. They're storytellers. They're storytellers. That's about the best people that we could find. Uh, yeah, we we find we find with Newland that occasionally we'll cast where you know a, a father and a son are not the same race because we cast actors of different races. And yeah. 
and almost no one mentions it. Occasionally somebody will, and my response is always, you know what, the audience knows that's not real. They're okay with it. They're fine. You know, there's, I have to say, there's always going to be one or two people, and it says, and, and really, uh, whatever they say says more about them than it does about the theater. Well, and the fact that almost everybody doesn't say a word says a lot, too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, so do you, I, I feel like when I look at Broadway now, it's a lot more diverse than it used to be. Still not super mm-hmm. diverse, but a mm-hmm. lot better. Do you think that's true? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. Um, I think it's, uh, uh, I think it's easy to make a lot of, a lot more noise about it. I think it's, and justifiably so, um, but it's more diverse than it has been since. Uh, the late 70s, you know, when... Yeah, you know, that's true. When, that was really different then. Yeah, Broadway was rocking back then. Yeah. You know? That was, I, I think, probably the golden age of uh, American theater, the new golden age of American theater, as opposed to the golden age that's happening now. You know? Yes. Well, so, so this is, and I ask a lot when I'm doing these podcast interviews, I... I really, really believe we are in a golden age of the American musical theater. Do you think that's true? Oh, my God, yes. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> says yes. <laughs> well, well, here's the funny thing. It's counterbalanced by corporate producing uh, and very, very cynical kind of <laughs> ridiculous kind of producing. I'm not going to mention any shows because <laughs> some of them are very, very some – of some of those are very good. Yeah. It's just that, on the other hand, You've got shows like Come From Away, Hamilton, yes. um, The Fan's Visit, which is probably the most brilliant show that I've seen here. Uh, you know, um, it, 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 it's really extraordinary. And it's not just musicals, it's also plays as well. Yeah. You know, we're in a very, very good time. What makes it more difficult to grasp than ever before is that it's more prohibitively expensive than it's ever been. Yeah. That's, that's the really, really unfortunate thing. Um, but, you know, the other thing, too, is these shows that don't do well in New York, next, well, next to normal ran for a while, but Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson and shows like that, they do have a really healthy life in small regional theaters. And I think that's also a new thing from 10 years ago. Well, I think that that's the only new thing is that a lot of people, you know, I'm working with a young composer right now who uh, who keeps talking about the fact that he wants to, that uh, the show he's working on is geared at small theaters. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you know, she wants to write a show that will be as successful. Of course, everybody wants to write a show as successful as as, uh, as Hamilton. But um, uh, that's his idea. I just to call it. He calls it. Uh, this is very much a not-for-profit institution type of musical. I think that's yeah. what, he, what, he, what he calls it, and. Uh, because those things will still be seen. If it runs for four weeks and it's a huge hit in in uh, in Terre Haute, you know, it's worth lighting. Yep. You know. Yeah, and there are a lot of little companies doing that kind of work now, which is really cool. They're they're not all doing the odd couple. Right. Right. Ironically enough, you know, how many people, you know, how many small theaters across the country are now going to do? Uh, Reduced uh, productions of Sweeney <laughs> right? With right. cast of eight, it was interesting. Awesome. One of the, yeah, one of the things that came up in conversation in production uh, was, uh, uh, and Bill Buckley, so directly shared this with us in a conversation that he had with Sondheim, 
that uh, that Sondheim originally conceived the show, that conceived the musical as a very very small show. Yeah, uh, I've read that. that. Was, yeah, that was like uh, was like the play that he saw, the Christopher Bond play that he saw. Oh, right. You know, uh, and it was only uh, uh, it was only when he was working with Hal that it became larger and larger and larger in scope and epic in size. And he he and he wasn't critical of that at all because he thought that that was he, he's, a, he's still a champion of that version. Right. But he says he, one of the things he said about our production is that it was probably it's probably the closest thing that he's seen to the show that he conceived. That's really wonderful. Wonderful yeah. for you guys, but wonderful for everybody. To see. Oh, my God. It's wonderful and an incredible responsibility. Because you yeah. don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, hey, thank you for talking to me. This has been really cool. Oh, Scott, it's, it's always great to talk to you. It's, what, every five years or so, something like that. And, and, uh, and, and I always look forward to it. And I enjoy following your podcast, and I enjoy following your blog. Uh, thank you. You know, I have to say, it's some of the best theater writing. Uh, that, that I have a chance to read these days. That's uh, so nice. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, All right. Well, enjoy Sweeney. Thank you. And if you're out this way, please come and see us. I and, will. And uh, yeah. to all your listeners out there, the same thing. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us. This is Scott Miller. Now you, too, have achieved stage rock. See you next time. Thank you.